Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founders, business leaders, and even enterprises that are changing the game. We call them the disruptors. You might see them as your mentors or maybe even your colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover, so we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs that are really making a difference and making the world a better place. So welcome to Lainey Power Players Podcast. I'm super excited to have you all here today and I'm even more excited today because we have a very unique and I'd say very highly driven entrepreneur on the show. We have Alberto Porrella, the co-founder of the first live TV sports focused OTT streaming platform called Fubo TV. They are headquartered in New York and were named by Forbes on the next billion dollar startups list in 2019. So a little bit about them. Um, they launched in 2015 with a focus on soccer and has since expanded to a mixture of sports, live news and entertainment programming with a focus on live sporting events. FUBU being the only VMVPD, that's right, to launch outside America, North America. They, um, the service is available, I believe, in the United States, Canada and Spain as of 2018. And for those listening and do not know what a VMVPD is, it's a virtual multi-channel video programming distributor. Oh, my God, I got that out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Back rooms for one day. So um, will you ask? Well, it's a sports package that is significantly less than cable and targets those cord cutters. It had streamed 50,000 events by 2020, and 2019 was a huge year for year with a 96% jump in revenue and over 315,000 subscribers. Welcome, Oberto. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, very happy to be here. Thanks, January. Awesome. We are so happy to have you here. And I have to say, I've been a fan of FUBU TV for some time. Um, as oh, yeah? Expand. Yes, indeed. Um, I'm very, very heavily entrenched in the OTP space. So um, tell me just to get kick things off, so to speak. Um, I want to hear it all about how you um, came to be the co-founder of the next billion-dollar idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, we didn't quite think that large when we first got started. In fact, uh, it was three of us co-founders, uh, myself, uh, my co-founder and CEO, David, and Soho, who's, uh, who's originally led the technology team and product. And, and we used to work together in another company called Drama Fever. It was another uh, OTT uh, streaming service that focused on international television shows and brought them to the U.S. and, and try to build a business around that. And so we we used to sit around uh, at Drama Fever and really brainstorm around ideas. And 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 one day, David comes to us and says, "Hey, I I, I think that you know it'd be awesome if there was a service that allowed us to to stream live soccer uh, online. I mean, it's just like the, you know the, the rights are segregated. It, it's really." difficult to uh, to be able to watch that content digitally. Uh, and on top of that, there seems to be this kind of trend towards cord cutting where folks are just unsatisfied with with their cable providers and, and just really fed up. They don't want to you know, continue to do that. And, and so I think there's something there. And, and you know, I, I initially looked at him 
very skeptical and I thought, boy, this, this is probably the worst idea I've heard this week. You know, it's, it's, it's never going to work, David. Like, how are you going to get the rights? You know, who look, how, look, look at how much piracy there is for the content. Yeah, but at the same time, it, you know, if you think about piracy, it's an indicator that there is demand in the marketplace for something and there isn't a legitimate uh, route to be able to consume that. And I think you saw that early, you know, in, in, in the early 2000s, you certainly saw that with music where there was a great amount of music piracy. And then with the introduction of services like Spotify uh, and, and Apple Music, the degree of piracy just completely went down because folks were just hungry for, uh, you know, a great alternative to be able to stream. And I think uh, sports and and uh, and TV streaming was really uh, another good example of that category. So the three of us got together, and you know, ultimately, they convinced me that this was a great idea. And we quit our jobs, and and you know, we literally started the company out of my apartment living room here in, in New York, very small room. We we bought some desks and and uh, and started working away on on the project. And you know, our very first few employees we hired out of that apartment. Uh, I remember our first marketing hire. We interviewed him, uh, a gentleman by the name of Antonio. We interviewed him at a coffee shop, and uh, and we, we we said, okay, Antonio, great, you're hired. I'll see you at the office on a Monday. You know, here's the address. You there? Great, great. And then he calls me on Monday morning, and he's he's you know he's outside the apartment building, and he's like, Alberto, I'm trying to find the office, but I think I got the wrong address because, you know, I'm looking at a building here, and it it, uh, it looks like an apartment. And <laughs> and I said, Antonio, don't worry, don't no, no, you just just go ahead and ring the bell. You know, you, it, it's right there, just just coming up. And so he was very skeptical, you know. And, and he rings the bell. He camp comes up, and he walks in, and he sees you know a kitchen, like you know typical New York tiny apartment. And he looks at me with like a, he's like, oh my god, what did I get myself into? And um, I said, Antonio, I know this is an apartment, but you should treat it like an office. And I do sleep over there, but don't worry about it. This is our office, you know. Let's make the best of it, and uh, and and you know, and that was the start of uh, of his career at football, and he's still with us, you know. Now now we are. Uh, oh yeah, he, he is. is. Yeah, he heads all of our uh, uh, display and, and and search marketing uh, initiatives. So so he you know he stayed he stayed for the long ride, but uh, but no, it's it's been remarkable because now you know I think we're over two hundred employees now uh, here in New York. We have two floors uh, here in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, and it's just been an incredible ride that I don't think neither of us saw it evolving this way because in some ways I think we did have a very compelling idea uh, as I described, but but also the momentum of, of just the market shift of folks just looking to cut the cord, as we call it, and, and just move away from traditional uh, pay TV, cable, and, 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 and all the challenges with that and towards just more economical and, and and uh, and transparent, frankly, ways of being able to access content that really created a tremendous opportunity for us to uh, to play in this market. So it's 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 been it's been awesome. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, yeah, kudos to you. You've definitely made it work um, tenfold. Um, I you know I was really I was quite intrigued by Drama Fever because obviously David. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, I believe you approved. They, that you all came out of drama fever. I was like, is this an amazing, perfect oh, incubator yeah. for oh, entrepreneurs? Yeah. Or is, is you know, I mean, did you guys, did you, from your experience there, did you really see like what you guys could do better in the industry or were you inspired? Yeah, by honestly, that it was like, a, just, a great um, learning ground for, for the three of us, really. So, 
I, my my yeah. background was actually not in streaming uh, and not in marketing. Uh, Songho and I went to college together, and we actually lived in the same dorm, uh, you know, back at the University of Chicago. And I, I lost track after I graduated college, and I think it might have been 2009. Songho and I went different directions. Song actually started working at Drama Fever right away uh, while I was working in finance. And, and so many years later, Songho would reach out uh, out of the blue, and it's, it's just been forever since we spoke. And, and he's he basically reached out to Alberto, hey, uh, you know, we'd love to catch up with you. And, uh, you know, my first thought was Soho is definitely looking for a job. You know, at the time I was at Morgan Stanley here in New York, and I thought, oh, someone definitely wants a job. So, yeah, let's, let's get together. So, you know, we arranged for, for coffee or a drink maybe at a, at a bar right next to, uh, to my office. And, you know, it's a typical kind of corporate environment. Everyone was wearing suits, myself included. And uh, it must have been around 7, you know, 7.30 p.m. And Soho, he walks in in shorts, sandals, and a hoodie in, in this, like, midtown manhattan like very corporate bar and and i thought oh boy here we like this is already the wrong impression but okay like and so i like sit down with someone it's like oh how are you doing i haven't seen you in a long time and i'm just waiting for him to to ask for the job right Alberto, like you know i'm looking for a new opportunity but he's not asking so after a while i just caught to his chase it's like so what is it like why did you ask me to meet like what's going on i haven't seen you in a long time like you know i'd love to see you but there must be something here and he's like well i work at this startup called drama fever and uh, you know and we're launching we're launching in latin america and we're launching a u.s spanish language product and and we need someone to help us build it and you know are you interested and i said uh there's no way you know so like are you crazy like i'm not gonna leave you know my my, my finance career and, and 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 go down this path but but i also like i just always had the itch for entrepreneurial endeavors and, and it was something for me that that i always had a a passion towards and I do at some point that I wanted to explore that and, and so I thought you know what's the worst that could happen you know I leave this finance world and and I go down this path and and let's just say worst case scenario I fail miserably you know a year and a half down the line I'm, I'm out of a job or I'm, you know I could always go back to my friends and say guys like I had to give this a bet and it was something that I was passionate about and and you know can you help me get back in and I thought that that was possible so if you have a passion for something you got to chase it and there's no better time to do it than when you're young and you don't have you know I didn't have kids at the time I could take those kind of risks so and so I did and so I quit my job and so on I started but but the one thing for me that when when I joined Drama Fever I had a conversation with the CEO at the time and I was very forthcoming with him and I said listen I would join Drama Fever but only if you're okay with me working towards starting my own company while I'm here. And and he probably looked at me and thought, uh, yeah, right. Like they're unlikely, like you're just coming out of, you're taking your tie off and like you're now getting your hands dirty at a startup and you're, you're not gonna start, you know, okay, no problem. Like, go ahead, yeah, sure. And so he did, he, he gave me that open. And so I did, and and basically in a year and a half from from that point in time, Songho and I launched our first company and, and, and Fubo came out of that as well. and. And, uh, but, but Drama Fever really built a, a great foundation for the, the possibilities of what you can achieve with streaming. I mean, that was a company that, that specialized in like literally bringing Korean and Asian dramas, like novella type of content to the U.S. and, and commercializing that with subtitles to a small demographic wow. in the U.S. That, that was hungry for that content and couldn't get it any other way. And so when, when that company, when Drama Fever was able to make such a niche work, 
it just it opened the possibilities not. of oh my god what more can you do with all these other protocols that are just completely mm-hmm. underserved in the market and i think soccer was the initial one hence the name football tv soccer was the original one that we thought you know this is just another one that i feel like it could be even bigger like much bigger than than dramas and i think we can build a business around this and and so we did absolutely and you and you so have well that thank you for explaining that because i did wonder how a um economist like yeah like someone that worked finance went from finance straight into uh you know entertainment so thank you for that um I like looking, you know, from the outside in, obviously, um, at David, um, he seems very ad sales focused, something more kind of like a technical co-founder, if you will. And you seem like the marketing fit. So the founding team, I think you had a very complimentary skill set. Tell me how important that is. That's so important. You're preaching to the choir. I I have friends that, that will reach out sometimes and say, hey, you know, I just graduated business school and me and my, my uh, classmates, uh, we're going to work on this startup. And, and I'll ask, I'll ask the question, you know, are, are you, what are your, your skill sets? And if they're overlapping, if they're not necessarily complementary, as you say, it, it's going to be a real challenge. I mean, when you have, because yeah. it, it being a startup, I mean, you're, it's marriage, right? Like you're, you are going to be it going through the tough times, the great times, all kinds of challenges with your founders and having a clear cut, uh, differentiated set of skills and areas of expertise and focus. It's so important to ensure that when those difficult times come in, you can rely on each other in a way that is collaborative and not necessarily in a way that you're stepping on each other's toes from that perspective, right? So it was great because I think, you know, David used to describe it this way in the early days, which is the Fubo TV team, the three of us were a three-legged stool, you know? Without either one of us, you, we couldn't be because if we didn't have Sung, we couldn't build a strong product, strong technology. Uh, if we didn't have David, we wouldn't have been able to get the rights that we needed, the fundraise the capital that was required to to bring the company to fruition, the strategy from kind of a long-term vision point of view. And if you didn't have Alberto, uh, then you wouldn't grow because you need growth and you need marketing, you need a mechanism to be able to compound that. And so that was a, a very important, uh, and I think honestly, we, it was just, it just, in some ways it was luck because uh, our skill sets really complemented in, in that manner. I mean, it's, it's not to say that Oh, you shouldn't, you know, as, as I'm the marketing person, I don't have an opinion or a view on, on what we should do with the product or I don't have a sense of like strategically what content makes sense. No, like I think all of us are definitely going to overlap and have views because this is our baby. And at the end of the day, we care about all assets uh, and all facets of, of our product. But at the same time, it's really valuable to have someone that ultimately is like the, the core focus of, of his, you know, headspace is that priority. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about your investor journey, if you don't mind. Um, so, you know, obviously I did a quick, you know, crunch based scan. It looked like you raised $1.6 million in angel investment initially. Um, and then, then you went on to raise $4 million uh, investment in 2015. The most notable series were obviously your C&D rounds where you raised $55 million and $75 million. Do you mind sharing with our listeners kind of like, I guess, and it, look, it's going back some time now, only five years, mind you, because you're a very young company, but just with our listeners, how you firstly approached fundraising in 2014 and how you selected the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I think our story was atypical uh, in the early days, especially. 
because, I mean, you haven't met David and he's just one of those master salesmen that just has a natural skill set for storytelling and just compelling folks to take action. And so the way that we raised our original uh, seed investment was in some ways like that. We were all at Drama Fever at the time. And David had, you know, he, he was the one that came up with the idea for Fubo and he was pitching it to us. And, and we were kind of brainstorming back and forth, but we were not completely committed towards moving forward with it. But David basically, over a weekend, he had um, a lunch with, uh, with an investor close to his home that he had met at a Halloween party out of all places. And, you know, this investor was like, oh, what do you do, David? And he's like, oh, you know, I, you know, I work at Drama Fever and I, you know, we're building startup and, uh, and it's like, oh, tell me more. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's a soccer, it's not big deal. It's, you know, it's a soccer streaming startup. It's like, oh, I'd love to hear more, get breakfast. Okay. So they, they got together. And, and so our seed investor, Angel, as, as we like to call him, he committed to, uh, I think it, it was, might've been $1.45 million in, in a seed investment without a deck without a business card, without a person, like without a product, just literally on, on the, on the premise that wow. here's a team that has done it before for a very hard product, a very niche product, and is prepared to do it again. And so you have a chance to back this mm -hmm. team. And so that was David's pitch, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it resonated. And, and so he came back to the office on Monday and he basically looked at us and said, Hey, uh, we have an investor, like, are we, you know, we're going to do this. And it, we just, I just couldn't believe it. Right. Like both song and I were like, are you serious? Like, I cannot believe you got, you already got commitment, like from an investor that's going to, like, I mean, now we have to do it. Like, you're just, yeah. I mean, now like, forget about it. Like this is, uh, you know, you don't have, you don't have that happen. And so that was, that was what allowed us to, to get started. And then along the way we had a lot of really great partners. And so our investor groups came in, in two different types. We had the kind of VC sort of investors that were very helpful and, and we had, um, Northstone was one of our early investors and, you know, they were early stage uh, investors in Spotify. So for, for them to see what Spotify did to music and look at football and say, oh, I think that what happened to music can also happen to sports and streaming. And so we're going to bet on football to do that. So they were early on on us. And so that was one group of investors. But excuse me, we also had strategic investors uh, on, on the likes of Fox uh, scripts, uh, AMC, and and all of these uh, basically content creators and network groups uh, ultimately saw that, that the ways in which the market was evolving and how Fubo could play a role in that. And, you know, in some ways they're betting on their own destiny by backing kind of the future of, of, of TV streaming and, and television. And and, uh, and so they, they've, they've been equally incredibly helpful as we have gone through, uh, through this journey. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it's really interesting. Um, to look at obviously uh, it feels like if you've gone to the the foxes and the amcs in the beginning they would have been like eh. but you kind of reverted yeah. it you know like you went the tech route like so my question to you is like because you were i guess heavily with vcs um and they're often very tech driven you guys are very much a technology yeah. technology company first right do you think that comes right. from the fact that you know you were in that world for a good few years with your vcs and then you kind of went to the the big network so to speak and got there well yeah the the, the desire to pursue kind of building technology in-house was not necessarily driven as a strategy to acquire certain types of investor but it was more in the sense of like if we're going to be 
in this instance in the long run, uh, we need to control technology because that's where innovation is going to be introduced. Because if you're just simply providing content and you're doing nothing else beyond that, then you're you're easily replaceable. Like there there is like how do you improve upon the user experience and the quality of service if you're just doing you know what cable did, which is just providing uh, a linear stream. So for us, it was very important from early days to build technology in house to really improve the quality of viewing for users, right? And so it's a perfect example. Like there is very few exceptions where we haven't built in house, um, and and even including things like our ad server, which we our CTO currently ended up uh, building in house as well for the most of it, uh, and has allowed us to to have a degree of freedom that we wouldn't have been able to have if, if we had utilized third party. Uh, platforms for sure as as frankly some of our competitors have done in the past yeah so i feel like you know the netflix of the world are like 20 years old and whatnot and you guys are five years you're kind of like the young we're babies you're babies you're like the young brother we're definitely babies yeah it's incredible right because for us it feels like a decade i mean but it has it's been five years you know six years i guess since we we kicked it off almost and um and we've done a lot in a very condensed period of time and it's just because honestly like you just hire people that are really hungry and and you have a sense that you're trying to change something that is valuable to a lot of people think about how many hours a day folks spend watching television and entertainment and how important i mean it's it's a little silly to think about it but like people spend a lot of hours watching tv and, and it's, it's a crucial part of their lives so you have an opportunity to change the way that that experience is done for the better uh you know make it easier and more enjoyable more transparent for consumers so you get a lot of people really excited with that so we we were lucky because i mean we are at the epicenter of, of some really exciting areas on one end we're a tech startup we're, we're doing innovative technology on the second end we are an entertainment company so we're in media which is you know you have you know as folks joining the team you'll have access to talent and, and you, you can be folks in that area and the, on the other end you're also in sports so if you're passionate about sports which a lot of people are it's a cool company to be part of, right? So being in the epicenter of all of these these three core areas really allowed us to attract uh, talent that that you know, and and also you know we, we are startups, so we give equity, and, and so when the company uh, uplifts and IPOs, we we're you know that's going to be a great day for for all shareholders, including football employees, which you know I'm going to be so excited about uh, to to see. Uh, but th- that that you know really makes a big difference in our ability to acquire and, and bring in talent that is just hungry to deliver. Mm, I like that. So you have a very startup culture by the sound of it. I, I, you know, um, it's interesting because obviously food, for those listening, Fubu TV isn't just sports. Obviously, your your general entertainment. I yeah. think David, I quoted him as saying once, "People come for the sports, they stay for the entertainment." Um, yeah. <laughs> something that's interesting, um, I guess, because you are a relatively young company as well. Do you feel like you've been able to experiment a bit more than other companies have been? And when that I say, like, you're a dual revenue play, if I'm correct. You've got yeah. kind of the Rocco ad, you know, ad-supported model, you've got the subscription-based model. Um, tell me kind of how you guys experiment in that world and why you have a revenue model like that. Yeah, I mean, so so on the content, right, oh, on, on, well, on to start on that side, um, when you're just sports, it's really challenging because you're prone to a ton of seasonality, right? And, and so if you, if, if you let's say we just only did soccer, the season, it's on for, I don't know, nine months, a year. And then during the off season, there is, 
little incentive to retain your service. So we, we have kind of that inherent seasonality and subscription. So if you want to have a service that derives value to a larger duration or, or even a bigger pool than just an individual, let's say a whole family, then you have to be a little bit more diversified. And when you think about who we are, where our consumers are coming from and who we are servicing, these are former cable subscribers that utilize their service, not just for sports, excuse me, but also uh, for the entertainment that their family uh, watches, right? So you might have kids that enjoy Nickelodeon or some of the other channels. You might have uh, a wife uh, or, or a husband that watches uh, Hallmark or, or some, of, some of the other channels that are not necessarily sports driven. And so it was very early days we realized that in order to have a service that has stickiness beyond just the season of sports, you want to have uh, a well-rounded service. However, our key differentiation is in sports, and that's where we focus on, not just from a product point of view in terms of the features that we that we invest towards building and also a marketing point of view in terms of how we position the company, but also from a content perspective, meaning that, that we like to pursue unique opportunities to acquire rights that might not necessarily be well-served in other platforms that are more uh, broad-based. So from a monetization point of view, uh, you mentioned advertisement versus the... the the alternative uh, uh, revenue stream, which is just subscription. It, clearly, advertisement is, is a very important one for us. And so what it allows us to do is, is essentially almost break even right on, 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 on the subscription and really by means of driving a ton of engagement and viewership, really drive margin growth and expansion through advertisement, as well as other incremental add-ons and, and elements that we could sell, like a really big DVR if you want to record 500, 1,000 hours of content uh, and store it in the cloud, uh, or the ability to watch in multiple screens beyond just the ones that are provided in, in the basic description. So there is a, certainly a, a, a means to be able to provide more beyond just the, uh, the, the basic subscription price. Yeah, so like DVR and whatnot, they they're like 100% upsells or what, like they're just pure. Yeah. Right? So, so by, by default, um, if you bought the most basic form of a package of Fubo today, it will come with some limited hours of DVR, around 30 hours of DVR, which is, you know, you can record quite a bit in 30 hours of DVR. Um, if you wanted, I think folks realize like if you, if you wanted to record a lot more, let's say a whole season's of friends or other shows or, or, or a whole season of sports uh, or, or you just don't want to raise or manage, actively manage your DVR, you can upgrade. And so you can upgrade to 500 hours and then very soon we're going to be rolling out uh, incremental versions that, that will allow for even more room. Uh, but ultimately, it gives the customer the, the flexibility to say, hey, look, if I only care about saving money I'm, and I'm happy to, to manage my DVR actively, then I'm going to go for the cheapest option. But if I really want a lot more, then there is all the, all the alternatives that you can oh, pursue. Okay, so talking, obviously, this is not solid. You're, you're pivoting more, obviously, where well, your point of difference rather is live events and sporting events. So now I presume like during lockdown, viewing rates have obviously gone up. <laughs> I know I've been watching a lot more TV than I ever have. Before. Um, but how, how does a company like yourself yeah. focus on sporting and live events? Let's be honest, they've both taken a hit during this pandemic how do you how, how do you pivot i guess i mean you you have said it well in that you have two opposing forces on one end you have people are spending a lot more time at home and they're by in front of their tvs so you have kind of a lift in, in content consumption and we've seen some of that 
at the same time, uh, you have um, no sports, right? For I mean, now you 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 have some season, some especially the European soccer leagues have been coming back, and, and so yes. that that's starting to kick in. Um, but but for a period of time, there was nothing, and so you had that kind of conflicting. And we we had expected to see a you know somewhat meaningful increase in seasonal churn on the basis of uh, of sports not being there. But we didn't actually observe it to be the case, right? And, and so what we realized is that we're building an audience that realizes, hey, this is a temporary thing. There is a lot more value beyond sports that is being offered in this in this package of, or this program. And this is where diversification of content really kicks in, right? You might recall, if we were just soccer today, when COVID hit, we would have had a material impact in, in, in subscriber, in our ability to retain subscriber for that period. However, because we are diversified and we have content for the whole family, there is value in keeping it. You know, you can watch live news or uh, all the elements that come with it uh, uh, are, are available there for users. So, so to answer your question, yeah, we did see there was a, a degree of seasonality on the basis of what happened, but because consumers had a lot more time and also we had a lot more content to um, to provide beyond sports, we it wasn't as dramatic as, I love as it. we originally so I, I really get the sense that you guys at Freebury Team are really building for the future constantly. Like it doesn't seem like you stop or you're ever kind of, I guess, satisfied, so to speak. I used to work at a TV network in Australia back in the day um, called TV One. You probably don't don't know it, <laughs> don't know of it, but back in Australia, I'll say ten years ago, and it was really interesting working in the traditional cable space then to know. They had a product, it was kind yeah. of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of attitude. Like, it just works, that's what they do. You guys are complete. you are yeah. like, just, it, you, it ain't broke, you don't need to fix it, but you're constantly innovating, which I think is fascinating. So we fast forward to today. Um, you guys recently merged with Facebank, um, and that develops what's called, mm-hmm. and forgive me if I'm using the right words or not, but hyper-realistic digital humans. Based on likeness to celebrities and sports stars, um, you tell us uh, using artificial yep, yep. intelligence and all that good stuff. So, can you tell us a little bit about this merger and how? Well, so for some so before yeah. before the merger, right? So we started investing in in original programming, and we actually launched uh, our own linear network. So, Fubo Sports Network is a is a is a channel. Uh, for sports, as you would expect from the name that that has uh, it, that is distributed not just on the football TV platform, but also on other linear streaming platforms, like as an instance, uh, Pluto or the Samsung uh, TV platform. I think today it reaches something like 45 million households in, in the U.S. So we launched this network, and we started to invest towards building original content. So we had uh, a show. Uh, with a lady by the name of Julie Binks, uh, which is called Drinks with Binks. And we basically invite interesting uh, folks, athletes, um, and, and essentially it's an interview while they're drinking and, and it gets more and more interesting as, as it goes on. So as you would expect. <laughs> so Drinks with Binks was one of our first original programs. Uh, we also had the Cooligans, which is a soccer show, which is hosted by two uh, New York-based uh, comedians. And these guys are awesome because they're super passionate about the game, but they're also comedians. So they, they really talk about the game in, in, in a very different way. And then so the Facebook opportunity came up, and, and, and it's basically in a way for us to continue to invest towards that path of original programming and, and to be able to do more. So there is technology that that team has developed that um, 
you know, could ultimately translate into content that we could carry either on the linear channel or other parts of, of the that, that we are towards as well. And also by, by, um, by merging with FaceBank, automatically Fubo by de facto became publicly traded. We're excited. We're, we have a lot of work to do. And, and there's other initiatives that are ongoing. If you think about Fubo TV as a company that is focused on, on sports fans and, and, and their families, but we're really sports-centric, right? And, and you know, has your business that strategy changed? I, I, we can't say uh, post-COVID. We're in the midst of it, really. But has, your, has it changed or are you kind of like just keeping on the straight and narrow um, like, are you leveraging or reprogramming? Like, what, what's your position? You know, I, I wouldn't say it, was, it has changed on the basis of COVID. You know, as I mentioned, I think the the impact has been, I guess, less material than than we, like, when this was unfolding with auto, my goodness, mm-hmm. is really going to be a material impact on, on everything or the way that we do business. It's certainly going to yeah. change. But our consumers, are they still want to watch sports, news, entertainment. And, and that behavior hasn't changed. And they still want to save money, which, by the way, it's, it's one of the biggest selling points that we have uh, relative to, to cable, which is, you know, obviously where our, most of our consumers are coming from. So it, that drive hasn't changed and that motivation is still there. So we, we are we continue to deliver upon that strategy. We haven't really shifted okay, away from cool. that. Cool. And, and I guess the, the last question, oh, two more questions, if you don't mind, really quickly. What's, yeah. what's next with FUBU TV? Like, are you going to embrace uh, like AI machine learning? Or are you going to, the year you're on the NASDAQ, like what's the, is there yeah. anything else? Or, that's certainly, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot in there. Yeah. Uh, no, but we continue to invest in technology, uh, really keen on, on growing, continue to invest on, on growing that team. And so we, we're hiring a ton, even in this environment uh, across, you know, engineering and, and kind of key roles to, to empower the team to be able to build uh, stronger and, and better product. I mean, I think you ought to ask the question, you know, how does television, what does it look like in, in 10 years from now? Is it still, you know, a set-up box in your living room with kind of limited capabilities or is it something else? And, and if it is something else, you know, how do we start building the, the stepping stones towards heading in that direction uh, and, and validating it throughout, right? Because it's not just saying, hey, this is what it is going to be in 10 years and let's deliver it now. It's No, it's like just put a process in front of, of consumers to iterate upon and continue to innovate over time so that so that we continue to, to deliver a high quality service that, that people really want. Uh, so we have a lot a lot to do between here and, and, and the next few years, uh, but we're super excited wagering as I mentioned, it's going to be uh, a big one. Uh, machine learning and recommendations, we just want to get a lot better at it. I mean, people spend so much time browsing for content today, and it shouldn't be that way, right? How cool would it be if my streaming service had a fairly good understanding of the content that I should have watched, that I wanted to watch, but I missed, right. that had a high relevance for me and that I, you know, that service recorded for me and, and put it into a nice lean back experience. There is just so much opportunity for disruption and and we haven't you know if traditional cable hasn't provided that and we we want to be able to do so i love it i love it well you guys definitely innovating on many fronts and uh keep doing so because i love seeing it um just uh, my final question i always ask this um is there a kind of i guess an entrepreneur or you could it could be a colleague of yours or it could even be someone in your family perhaps um this kind of for you embodies what it is to be an entrepreneur. And look, many entrepreneurs fail. It doesn't necessarily have to be a successful one, <laughs> you know. 
Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. so is there anyone? It's so hard. It is. It is. Look, it's a it's a long path. It's a lonely path. But when you get there, yes, it's worth it. But um, tell me, is there anyone that kind of st- has stood out to you in your career, or um, even your personal? Oh, you know, I, I've I've had a lot of mentors, uh, certainly along the way, um, all the way from, you know, when I was in high school, I had great great teachers that that were there for me to to really push me and and empowered me to really reach higher than, than I thought was possible when I was in college. I had uh, friends that uh, were, you know, I, I think maybe on a separate uh, timeline, I can share a bit about my story beyond yeah. uh, football. But I basically came to America when I was 14 and I didn't speak English. So it was a very challenging route in the early days. And, and so along the way, I had so much help, right? Uh, folks that, that were there throughout. And, and so my admiration it's really with those people whose careers dedicated towards helping individuals like myself, you know, get to a certain point in life where we can build companies like this, right? And so a lot of my teachers and, and colleagues and, and mentors on the way have made that possible. So I couldn't pick one because there's just been too many that have been influential. But, you know, at the same time, I also want to say that the what you just pointed out, entrepreneurship is it's a tough game, right? And, and it's a shame that oftentimes what is covered in, in press and publications is only that like last milestone right before the IPO or right before you ring the bell and it's so exciting and everyone's laughing and, and you're like oh my god like look at these guys yeah. like, they just did that you yeah. know started an app and now they're just a public company and and how amazing is that but the truth is that it's really really challenging along the way and, and you need to have a lot of grit and resilience to get through all the ups and downs of, of the process so it's I think oftentimes it's uh, it's worth shedding light into into that journey because um, not to dissuade folks, because I think it's really, really an amazing experience mm-hmm. that if you ever have an itch, you just owe it to yourself to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, not to make it seem like, hey, it's just, you know, easy and fun. It's and really you, you just uh, drink the Kool-Aid. Yes. <laughs> you may not eat some days. You may be having a feast the next. So it's a- that's right. That's right. But look, I, I thank you so much for your time, Alberto. It's been really intriguing. And look, you have a really solid business model. I don't need to tell you that. Folks, if you want to get it, get see more of FUBU TV, uh, you know, download the app, stream them online, uh, stalk Alberto on LinkedIn. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> look, there's plenty of ways you can watch them, stream them, um, get involved. You guys have really um, active social media accounts as well. So, look, I thank you so much, Alberto, and we'll be following your uh, journey even more. We can't wait to see what you have installed for us in the very near future. Thank you, Jenna. It's my pleasure. I was happy to to do this, and we'll talk soon. Indeed. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye.